Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 29 of the Four Feathers podcast. I'm your host, Johnny Nani. I'm joined tonight by Ron Luce, Tony Marchese, and Patrick Comiskey. It's time to crack them and get caught up on the Blackhawks. What's up, guys? How are we doing tonight? Good, and you? Oh, not so bad. Delightful, sir. What's going on, gents? Um, guys, I'm excited to be back talking hockey. Uh, I think that's the biggest thing here. It's been a little over a month since our last show. Um, you know, it kind of sucks when your team's not in the playoffs and you don't have much to talk about. Um, but now we have plenty to talk about. Um, huge jam-packed day of news, uh, past weeks actually of news for the Blackhawks. Uh, plenty of trades, obviously the draft, speculation about where guys are going to be moved via trade um, or uh, free agent rumors that we've been in on. So uh, I think uh, we just need to dive right into this one, guys. What's up, Doc? Kirby Doc selected third overall. Ron, uh, when we did our prediction, uh, not, I guess, our preview for the draft, uh, right after we had been announced that we had the third overall pick, you were pretty high on Doc, and you gave us a nice rundown with it. I put out a video there on the Instagram and the Twitter account. And um, you can just take it away and get your uh, gloating out right now. How about that? Yeah, I'm, I'm actually kind of excited um, just from the standpoint of, of feeling like you actually can evaluate talent, even though we're not paid to do so. Um, no, I mean, he, he, he stuck out you know, like a sore thumb. I obviously think just initially the size – uh, is something that's very hard to bypass. Anytime you have an 18 year old who's a full blown grown man at you know six four, 200 pounds, um, it's hard not to be excited about a guy like that. He moved really well for a big guy. I mean, I think he moves better than like a Dylan Strom, for example, who kind of gets criticized for his skating ability. Um, you know, it does the job, but he's he's not going to blow anybody away. And then, you know, he he has a pretty good shot. He's a big right handed centerman. He's not afraid to pass first. And, you know, I, some of the, the critiques I've heard on him is just his point totals, you know, 73 points in 62 games in the WHL. Everybody's like, oh, well, he didn't score 100 and this, that, and the other. And, and um, you know, our, our, you know, former guest in front of the show, Barstool Chief, um, actually put out a really good article today, kind of talking about that a little bit. And I uh, really liked what he mentioned was, you know, if you're not playing on a team with a ton of high quality talent, outside of you especially when you're a pass first guy like doc is it's kind of hard to rack up those crazy high numbers and the whl has always notoriously been a bit of a harder league quote unquote just in terms of the style of hockey uh where you know the ohl and the q are a little more kind of run and gun you know and and he was clearly you know shadowed by the best players on you know his opposing teams um, there was a lot of chatter around how well he, he did in the playoffs carrying uh, the Blades. And, you know, in 10 games, he had eight points. So he was by far their best player. And I'm excited to see what he can do. I mean, there's they're going to give him – I like that they're going to give him every opportunity to make the team this year. So I'm really interested. Even if he doesn't make the team, I really hope that they at least give him kind of that 10-game tryout where his contract can still slide then if he's sent back to Saskatoon. Absolutely. Guys, Patrick, Tony, uh, weigh in. Let's get your opinion on Kirby Doc. You know, I think when we first talked about it, you know, we all kind of sat down here uh, when we found out that we were getting that third pick, and we all kind of talked about how we wanted that forward, and especially how we wanted a center, because center depth is probably going to start becoming an issue for the Hawks, because, you know, beyond Dylan Strom, you don't really have much 
Taze is getting pretty old, so you kind of need to replenish there. Yeah, they need defense, but um, I, I I like going I like going center here. I kind of like getting Doc here. He's got the size. What is he? He's like six six four. four. So hopefully, you're, yeah. So hopefully, you know, they're comping him to Getzlaff and Shifley. I would certainly take either of those guys. Um, you know, I think. Because everyone was killing him for not taking Byram and not taking Turcotte. But I think at the end of the day, you just kind of have to sit back and let it play out. Um, I think this is something that Mark Kelly's done well in his time with the Hawks is, evalu- is evaluating this young talent. You know, they I, I believe that they do do pretty well in the drafts. Obviously, there's going to be some misses here and there. Uh, but, you know... I'm excited to watch Doc play. You watch some of those highlights. He he just looks so gigantic on the ice, and he looks so skilled doing it. It almost his skill almost kind of catches you off guard a little bit because the guy's so gigantic that it's like he can do that. You know, he almost looks like a defenseman out there in the offensive zone. Um, and you know, I think if there's something this Hawks team really misses, it's guys who can play between the dots. And because like even Alex Debrinket, Debrinket's going to find his way to those. Uh, to those soft areas and he'll score goals. But I think you kind of have to have guys who can go out on the ice and make space, who can get to the front of the net and who can play between the circles. Because I think that's the thing that you start. The problem you see with the Hawks is when teams like the Carolina hurricanes play like this, just shut down defensive style or the blues play it too. It's just that the Hawks are in a lot of trouble because they can't get, anything to the inside of the ice. I think Doc's probably the type of guy that can help you do that, and that's what they need. Yeah, you know what? Um, I kind of echo this. I I was high on Turcotte. I think we all know that just from, from us chatting, and I, I didn't want to see him take Byram. I really wasn't big on, on going with Byram, even though he was probably arguably uh, one of the best talents in this draft outside of the top two guys. Um, obviously, I, I think he was a clear-cut number three, but... Um, I had fallen in love with Turcotte just from the combine alone. I think we all know about that long jump, and we'll talk about that a little bit later. But, um, you know, as as time's gone on since the draft, the size thing is what really stands out to me. Having a guy who can clear some space in front of the net and play that kind of game, um, you know, what did we bitch about all last year was nobody in front of the net, nobody clearing space, no size on this team, getting pushed around, all this stuff ad nauseum all year. I mean, we we I bitched and moaned about it to probably almost every single episode. So getting a guy in here who who can kind of change that mold is good. Uh, the one thing I'm concerned about might be here is a little bit of speed in his game. Um, that the Hawks in this draft overall went with a lot of big guys. Um, they did not really draft for speed. And at the same point in time, you hear the front office saying, we want to get younger and faster, and they went and drafted a bunch of big guys. So that that was a little weird to me. Um, it didn't really fit the message that they were giving out. But I think as time goes on, I'm becoming more and more happy with this. I'd just like to see Doc be able to put up some points, though. I think that's going to be the, the question is, can this guy continue to score at the NHL level, or is he just going to be a third-line type guy? 
That's that's my my question here. I mean, definitely a very legitimate question. It'll be interesting to see how that translates over. Um, one of the nice things you guys had all mentioned it, the size, uh, no denying that, 6'4", almost 200 pounds. So um, you, you like that base. You can't teach size. I was telling one of my friends the other day who was asking me for an opinion on the pick, and you just can't teach that. Um, you know, it's uh, you're born with it or you're not. Um, so that's one thing I like, and it gives me a little bit of hope for that. And then just watching some of his film and making those gifts that I shared out, a whole thread of them from the Four Feathers account. Um, he's not, he, there's no blazing speed there, obviously. I mean, he's a big guy. Uh, you, you think like Artem and Nisimov like that just when you think of a tall guy. But he is much more shifty than someone like an Artem Anisimov. I mean, obviously, you know, he's younger, but he's smooth with it. Um, I, I was saying that uh, I think it was to you, Tony, uh, when you look at the combination of the hands um, along with the size, like he's putting shootout moves on that look like almost Patrick Kane style. Um, it, there's definitely a lot of skill there. So I, I do think that uh, you will be pleasantly rewarded, Tony, and, uh, and the the points will come. Maybe not right away. I think that's a little too much to ask for him to jump into the league right now and uh, be a perennial point scorer. But I think that, you know, that was one thing that they said in their press conference over and over why they like Doc so much is because they proje- how they project him in two, three, four years is much higher than anybody else that was available on the board. Um, they, they said that over and over again uh, at, right afterward in their media interviews and then in their formal press conference uh, that took place today. So um, I'm satisfied with the pick overall, guys. Um, do, you, do you have anything to add on Doc before we move on a little bit, uh, get to some of these lower-round draft picks? Welcome One to Chicago. About Doc. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. Uh, another thing, too, guys, just to consider, and this can kind of be an open-ended thought that we can, you know, let people ponder on. There's a decent chance that Doc can come in, even if. So let's say he forces management's hand year one, and they say, "Ah, oh, we got to put this kid on the roster, but we don't want to play him as a third-line center because we want him to play more quality minutes." There's a chance he could play the wing. So during the, um, I always mess up the name, and I apologize to the people that run this tournament, but the. Halinka Gretzky tournament, I believe is what it's called. Um, he actually 14 Canada. They asked him, and this is something that came up in the, the draft process after he was drafted. They said, you know, we asked him because they had so many centers on that team, if he'd be willing to play the wing. And if he did, they would probably win gold. He said, absolutely. And they won gold in that tournament. So, uh, you know, he, he's not afraid to go play on the wing. He has the size to play on the wing. I mean, just imagine if you want to balance these lines out, you could realistically, and this is, I'm just going to, you know, tickle everybody's fancy here, but you could play him on a line with like Stroman to bring it. Or you could play him on a line with Taves and Sod and play Kane with DeBrinkett and Strom. I don't know. Fantasize about it, ponder on it, but that's just kind of the last thought I wanted to leave with a guy like Doc. So maybe he does make the team year one, but isn't a center year one. And, you know, maybe that's kind of a good way to shelter him into the league in terms of speed and pace of play. And then he can take over more of that two game, two way responsibility at center in year two. Very good point, Ron. Uh, one thing that you said there just brought it up uh, when you talked about him moving positions there. Uh, not directly related to moving positions, but another thing that management had said why they really like this kid was because he elevates his game in the playoffs. Uh, that's one thing they took really heavily into consideration in the WHL playoffs. Like you had said, they're shadowing him. They're targeting him um, with their best offenders. So uh, they said he rose to that occasion. Um, even when the phys- physicality ramped up, he was able to dish it 
too. Um, not you know, not just get pushed around out there. Um, obviously, you'd hope not for a guy that big, but they said that it was just a level of intensity that obviously uh, we all saw how the Stanley Cup playoffs go. We all know it. Um, it's a whole nother season, really, and, and it's turned up you know to eleven. <laughs> Say that you guys um, sound like you're talking about a former Brian Bickle. Get out of here. Not no, not in a bad way. Not in a bad <laughs> nice. way. Not in a bad way. I'm talking about a guy who elevated his game in the playoffs. Yeah, doesn't get pushed around. That's true. The 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 good Brian Bickle. Okay. That's okay. I, I did yeah, the, I healthy, the, healthy the healthy Brian, Brian Bickle. Bickle. That's what you're. That's what you're reminding me of. And I I would kind of be okay with that. Yeah, except he's a center. So that's yeah, exactly. Uh, so add a yeah. little bit more there. Yeah, it's yeah. even better. Okay. Like, yeah, I think I think it was just the last taste uh, that everyone had in their mouth. I mean, obviously we love Brian Bickle. Great guy. Uh, did great things for us in 2013. Uh, actually, the anniversary of that. Uh, 17 seconds. So I can't say um, that I didn't say just drop that name to see the reaction from from Ron. <laughs> and you saw a reaction. I love I love the man. I just I I hated his contract for what ended up happening to him. I mean, obviously he couldn't control that he got sick, but um, glad he's yeah. doing well though in his retirement. He looks like he's enjoying himself. That's for sure. Yeah, he is. Best of Brian Bickle. On to the second round, guys. Uh, Alex Vlasic, massive defenseman, taken 43rd overall, 18 years old, 6'6", 198 pounds. He's a local kid from Wilmette, so obviously we know he's going to get traded in like five years. Um, <laughs> no, just kidding. Uh, it just happens to most of the guys that are local kids, thinking Estroza, Hartman, you know what have you. Um, but anyway, so uh, Alex Vlasic, I know, Ron, you'd wanted to jump into this kid a little bit here. Um, he played for the U.S. development program. Uh, he's a left-handed shot, defensive defenseman, uh, but you know all the scouts say plenty of room to grow into a two-way game. He's committed to uh, Boston University. Uh, when they interviewed him right after he was picked, said he would probably spend two seasons there. So um, any of you guys have any commentary on it, um, open the floor. I'll take it away. Obviously, a fun fact about Mr. Vlasic is he is related uh, to NHL defenseman Mark Edward Vlasic. I believe they are cousins. So that is a, a fun little fact about him. I, I mean, I love the fact that they took a six foot six defenseman. I cannot remember the last time they had a D man over six three. Besides John Scott, he wasn't a defenseman. Well, that and uh, Victor Svedberg. There you go. There's your oh, last one. <laughs> We're bringing out Victor. the players of, of Hawks past tonight. <laughs> I was just had to do it because you set me up, and I do remember his name. So we're, we're playing we're playing a uh, a bingo game. If people want to tag along on uh, Hawks of yesteryear, I think it, I think the, I think everybody should take a drink when anybody prior to 2015 is named. <laughs> just start listing people off, but I mean, you know, I really like uh, what they had to say about Vlasic. I mean, like you said, uh, defensive defenseman, but he could become a good two way guy. I mean, even if he just becomes a good defensive defenseman, I feel like in today's NHL, you know, they're, especially in, right now in the Blackhawks system, they have a ton of guys that can move the puck. Bokvist is a puck mover. Mitchell is a puck mover. You know, Bodan is a puck mover. You know, they have plenty of these smaller puck mover guys. So you can go out there now and get a, you know, six foot six defenseman who can develop into a shutdown defenseman. And, you know, all of a sudden, that you start to be able to balance out that defensive group a little more. Um, you know, so he's, I, I'm intrigued to see kind of his growth at BU. Obviously BU is a great program. So it's pretty hard, pretty hard to deny that he's going to, you know, probably one of the best places he can develop. And, 
Yeah, I just I I wanted to also make note, and this kind of ties back into Kirby Doc. I don't know if any of you guys listened to the press conference a little bit today. Um, They're talking about Kirby Doc's just love for hockey and his hockey sense and kind of his hockey IQ. You know, he really raved about Vlasic as well because he was actually sitting with Mark Kelly when they made that pick. Um, He was like, "Do you know, you know, Vlasic?" And he was like, "Yeah." He's like, "You know, played against him two years ago, um, in I believe it was actually the Helenka Gretzky tournament." Or there was the U-17, sorry, it was the U-17 tournament. And, you know, he said he was, like, just big, good, you know, stay-at-home defenseman, has a good first pass. You know, it sounded like Doc was the scout and just, you know, giving us all what we should look forward to with Vlasic. So uh, a guy with ton of, a ton of potential, and a lot of people had him going in the first round. So I think that's certainly a value pick getting him at number 43, um, when realistically he could have probably gone anywhere between number 20 and 31. Good point, Ron. I did see that. Um, he was higher on a lot of guys' draft boards, so they consider that a steal then uh, when it falls to a 43 like that. You guys have anything on Vlasic? Yeah, just real quick. I just wanted to echo. Uh, I love the size here. Um, I, we saw that picture that we passed around today um, that was put out on Twitter. I forget who that came from. Um, he just towers over a bunch of these other kids in the draft class. Obviously, six six. He he's got a solid frame too. Doesn't look like he needs to even grow into it. Um, and and you know that at eighteen years old, he's only going to add some weight there. Probably top out six six, somewhere a, a little bit over two hundred pounds. He's going to be a solid dude on the ice. I'm gonna, I'm going to love seeing this team with the size. I mean, we just talked about it with Kirby. Um, you're adding so much size to this team as, as long as these guys work out and uh, become impact players. The Hawks are going to be a tough team to play against. They're not going to be pushed around like they have been in years past. It's going to be a different style of hockey that we haven't seen in a long time. That's exciting to me because, hell, I love I love watching some of these bigger hockey teams play. They're rough. They beat you up. And in a seven-game series, that type of stuff can give you an edge. So I, I really like this pick. Um and, you know, we'll talk about some of these trades later. The Hawks are flush with some, some defensive options now, and it's it's a little bit of a different feel to this team. Hey, Tony, and just to add on to your thought there, just imagine, too, with all the speed that this team already has and guys like Saad and Kane who can really motor, you kind of get the best of both worlds now. You have some size and some speed. And look at the last few cup winners. All of those teams have had that, that ability. So, um it's exciting, man. It's it is weird. It is different having you know a plethora of defensemen and uh, some size and some speed on this team now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's it's. I I was surprised by these picks, um, to be honest. And you know, I think for as much as I've come to kind of like the Kirby Doc pick, I like this Vlasic pick even more. Um, so that, I mean, they, I think that was my favorite pick in the draft. I'll I'll toss it over to Pat if he's got anything. Yeah, so I, you know, I just one thing that I was gonna roll off on, um, you know, that with them picking the size, you look at six four in the first round, then six six in the second round. You know, everyone always wants to talk about how the NHL is getting smaller, it's getting faster, and the size isn't as important, which I guess maybe does have a little bit of ground to stand on. You do have to be able to keep up with some of these teams, but if you want to look at the two teams who made the Stanley Cup final, a lot of size. A lot of big guys, a lot of guys who aren't scared, aren't afraid to throw their body around and make the ice a lot smaller. Because like you even looked at that Cup final, like Pasternak is just this guy who can do all the skill plays in the world, and he looks great in the regular season. He looks great against some of this other team, but St. Louis took away so much room on the ice, 
that he just he didn't have room to do anything. And I think you have to have guys like that because at the end of the day, the team that plays the best defensive structure is probably the team that's going to come out ahead. Yeah, you got to put the puck in the back of the net, but you also have to stop it from going into yours. And I think when you have guys out there who aren't going to be pushed around and who can make the ice smaller, that helps. And I like that the Hawks are uh, starting to go that in that direction to pair it along with some of their skill. I am salivating thinking about the combination of size with shutdown defensemen and some of the speedy puck movers that we are going to have on the back end in years to come. Very exciting stuff right now for the Blackhawks. Um, well, let's go through the rest of these picks here. Um, I'll, I'll just name them and uh, give you a little bit of info on them, and then we need to get to the uh, juicy stuff. The trade's completed completed already. So um, with that said, after uh, Alex Flaska was taken, the next selection for the Hawks is in the fourth round, 105th overall. They took a left winger. Uh, Michael Tepley, 18 years old, uh, 6'3", 187 pounds, uh, played in the Czech 2 League last year. Um, he was ranked 14th in NHL Central Scouting's European Players Division. Um, he's known for stick handling, passing, and a slap shot, and he hopes to play in the CHL next season. Uh, again, in the fourth round, 123rd overall, um, they took a winger in Anti Sorella, 17 years old, 5'11", 183 pounds, um, he's from Finland, uh, played in Liga, the Finland's top division over there. Um, he's a quick player. He could probably play both center and wing, um, and he'll be back in Finland again next season. Um, but interesting, he is uh, related to one of the guys that we acquired via trade um, today. So we will get to that once we uh, hit the trade part of this. Uh, next pick came in the sixth round, 167th overall, uh, goaltender Dominic Basse. Basse, however we're going to pronounce that. 18 years old, uh, six foot six, big goalie, uh, 185 pounds. He's from uh, the states, Alexandria, Virginia. Uh, played for Selects Hockey Academy, 18U, um, and he had a 1.91 goals against average, 9.24 save percentage in 42 games there this season. Committed to Colorado College, uh, but he was selected in the USHL draft last year um so we don't know exactly where we'll be playing next season uh and then the last the final pick uh was in round seven 194th overall defenseman cole moberg uh 18 years old 6'3 198 pounds so another uh sizable defenseman there uh he's from vancouver um and he played for the prince george cougars in that whl uh posted 13 goals 27 assists in 61 games there last season and he will return uh to prince Prince George of the WHL next season. That rounds out the draft. Um, overall, I'm excited for the size. Uh, we've collected plenty of speed over the past years. Um, and that's not to say that some of these guys can't move. Uh, but yeah, obviously getting bigger as a team and bringing both sides of that. Uh, it's good looking forward to the future. So um, guys, time to get to the fun stuff. Trades completed. First one that took place about a week before the draft, Dominic Cahoon. Sent to Pittsburgh for Ole Mata. Let's fire off. What was our initial reaction to this one? Yeah, I was I was shocked a little bit here. I thought I thought Cahoon was was going to be one of those pieces that we we had next year. Um, I know he was your guy, Johnny, but uh, overall, uh, not not a bad trade. I think here um, Mata is kind of one of those more stay at home guys. He's slow. That's what I've heard is that he's slow. Um, we've complained about slow all the time. But we haven't really had a shutdown guy. Uh, I'm not too familiar with his game outside of that. Um, I know that there were some some scratches 
uh, when he was playing in Pittsburgh where he, he was having some trouble cracking the lineup in certain situations. But uh, he'll get a chance here, I think. Um, Carlton will we'll definitely give him a chance, and we'll see what we get out of him. I don't think this was the biggest trade that we're going to talk about today, but uh, definitely something that the Hawks needed because we've been talking about Stan trying to address the blue line for years now. And that's what he went out and did even before the draft here. He went out, he addressed a need. And uh, I, I don't think that losing Cahoon is going to be something that the Hawks are all too upset about. Um, I don't I don't foresee this being a loss even if uh, Mata doesn't work out. Uh, this was a good, good chance for, for Stan to go find somebody who could be a solid defenseman. So uh, I think this one will work out just fine. Uh, regardless of what we really get back from Mata. I kind of have mixed emotions about this one. As for what they gave up, and that doesn't bother me. Uh, I, I was never, I'm not really the biggest Cahoon guy. Um, he's okay. A little too inconsistent for my liking. Um, you can take him or leave him. If he was on the team next year, that's fine. If he's not, that's also fine. Um, and then the fifth round pick, that's, you know, it's, they're good to have, but you, doesn't matter if you send them away um my kind of issue with this is is it's olimata um if olimata wasn't making 4.2 million dollars a year for the next three years that'd be fine but he is and you know everything you read about the guy is you know he's really slow which isn't great we already have one of those guys coming in a huge cap hit that's pretty slow um and it's that it's the injury history with him too. Is that he's hurt all the time, so I think there's some drawbacks on this. Um, I, I didn't really care for the timing of it either. Obviously, you want to you want to hit it while the iron's hot, but I you would think that I don't know. It just makes you think that you could do a little bit better in Olimata. Obviously, Pittsburgh wasn't too interested in having him sitting around. Um, he could only crack their lineup for one of the four games in that playoff series when they got swept by the Islanders. That's a little alarming, especially when you consider that Pittsburgh's defensive unit ain't great to begin with, and he he can't crack the six of those guys. That's something to be concerned about. Now, maybe maybe this could just be a change of scenery type of thing for him where you know he comes and plays in a new defensive system for a new team, and it kind of goes a little bit better for him. But... I could have done without this trade. Um, obviously, you have to do things to try and fix that defensive system, and maybe it works out. Hopefully, it works out. Um, but in comparison to the other one, I like the other trade a lot more that we made today. But as for the Olimata trade, I would I would have rather not done that one, especially when you consider that $4 million. Now, if you take that $4 million and then you trade Artem Anisimov, you're looking at almost $9 million in cap space that you could have used on whatever you wanted to use it on. Instead, now you're you're throwing 4.2 at Olimata for three years, and I don't know. That, that was obviously something Pittsburgh didn't want to do anymore, so if Stan's comfortable doing it, we're going to have to see how that one works out. Yeah, I'll admit I was I'm actually a fan of the Olimata trade and I feel like I'm in the minority here and here's partially why. So there's kind of a culmination of reasons, so bear with me here. He's at a decent number. I mean, four million's not ideal, but in today's NHL where you have defensemen who I would argue are potentially worse than Olimata getting more than four million dollars a year, 
I'll take it. It's not great, like Pat said. It's not. It's not ideal, but you know, it, it's it, it could be worse. Is, is kind of how I view it from that standpoint. But I think here's the thing: is he's 24 years old, and I think a lot of people forget that. Is he's just been in the league for so long because he came up at 19 years of age. It's kind of like the Taves and Kane with you know Blackhawks fans. Everybody's like, oh, these guys are ancient. They've been in the league for years. It's like, no, they just turned 30. But they've been in the league since they were teenagers. You know what I mean? And so, you know, he's coming in. He's 24 years old. He's six foot two. He's got nice size. He's over 200 pounds. Um, not a guy that's just going to get easily pushed around. He's a little slow, and you know, you know, we we won a cup with Michael Roseball, so I feel like, you know, we can we can live with a little slow. I I, I agree. We no Roseball slander. Uh, oh, hey, hey, I think I think I think everybody needs to take a drink after that one. Yeah, there we go. That's a pre twenty fifteen name, so I'll take a drink for that. But you know, and so, but also, I think the big thing I enjoyed. So, I. I don't love the fact he is this, but he is one of my best friends. One of my best friends is a big Pittsburgh Penguins fan. He has been since the dawn of time. And I asked him immediately about this trade as soon as it happened. I said, what are your honest thoughts on Ole Mata? Because you watch so many Penguins games. And he said, he is slow. He is going to get beat to the outside on occasion. Uh, He is a player, though, that given the right pairing, can very well see I think the Blackhawks have a guy in mind, and that is Henry Yokiharu. Because not only are these guys both young, they're both similar-ish style of game. I think Yokiharu is much better offensively than Olimata is. They're both fellow Finns. And if you think back to the 2013 and 2015 Stanley Cups, what was a reliable pairing when Keith and Seabrook were paired together? And that was Oduya and Jalmerson, and they were fellow Swedes. So it kind of bears that same you know feeling of... Maybe these guys can create a chemistry because they're fellow countrymen. Maybe these guys can become a decent, maybe not the true shutdown quote-unquote pairing, but a very good reliable pairing, maybe a second to third pairing. And both of them are at very favorable numbers right now when you consider that this cap is going to continue to rise. Obviously, it didn't rise the way we had wanted it to as fans this year, especially when they were saying, oh, it's going to raise $3 million or $3.5 million, and it only raised about $2 million. Um, the trade could have been worse. I, the trade could have been better. Agreed. I think Cahoon is is one of those pieces where, sure, it's great if he's on the team. I'm not terribly upset about him being gone. I did like Cahoon. I thought he had a nice game. I think they brought in, though, a guy who – is going to very much resemble Cahoon's game this year, and that's Dominic Kubelik. Um, you know, he's going to kind of come in and be able to play in that top nine role. He's a winger. Uh, you know, he's got the scoring touch. So I think he can have a very Cahoon-esque season uh, this coming year for the Hawks. Um, they also have Anton Whedon coming in, but I project him more as like a fourth-line guy. And then all of a sudden, and, and, and you know, as Pat said, fifth-round picks, it's nice to have them. The last fifth-round pick that I think had any success with the Hawks was Andrew Shaw. Outside of that, I can't tell you the last fifth-round pick that has actually made a difference on this roster. So I don't hate the trade. It could have been better. It could have been worse. I think the one nice thing here is, and that was mentioned, my contract nerdiness coming out in me, he has a modified no-trade clause, but it doesn't come into effect until July 1st. So because of that, the Blackhawks have the ability to nullify the no trade clause, aka they don't have to honor it. They can say, "Oh, nope, be gone with your no trade clause." I was going to use bad words, but we'll try and keep it clean. You know, 
we don't need that crap. Stan's got enough of those no trade clauses on the roster already as it is. He's been giving them out like Halloween candy on October 31st every year. So if they can get rid of another not having to worry about a no trade clause with Ole Mata, that's going to bode very well because he is, fun fact, folks, locked up through the expansion draft that will be coming up for the Seattle insert name team name here. So something to consider going forward as well. But very long-winded, but that that's my opinion on the trade. Here's my question, and, and Johnny, feel free to, to jot this down. We did, what, 20-some episodes in season last year? Yeah. What's the over-under on times that we complain about how slow this guy is by the end of oh. next year? Oh, God. Um I'm no odds maker, but I, I will definitely jot that down so we have yeah, it for future please, please reference. Set a, please set an over-under and give us the lines for that so we can bet money on this. Thank you very much. We'll, yeah. get, we'll get big better guy John to on this, too. Yeah, God, okay. Yeah, I, Unfortunately, I do think it's probably going to be fairly high, but uh, I mean, that's just the way it goes uh, whenever something, you know, we're, we're going to complain about it if it's going wrong. So, well, and if we're, um, we're going to get right. into predictions, too, though, who gets more? Brent Seabrook or Mata? That's not. That's the next question. More complaints. Think, more complaints about being slow, specifically getting beat to pucks that cause you know scoring opportunities or goals for the opposition. Because I can already see where this is going to go, and I know that Pat and Ron at some point during next year are going to go toe to toe on this exact subject, and it's going to be really. It's going to be really fun. And I can't wait. I'm going to get my popcorn. I'm going to sit here. I'm going to watch this thing happen. And I'm going to start keeping count because if I'm going to – I'm taking the over on this no matter what because I know I can contribute to the complaint department. <laughs> hey, I'm telling you what, though. we, you know, Pat and I do have conflicting opinions sometimes, but they are some of the greatest hockey podcast debates on the face of the planet. So we will keep those up as much as we physically can. I like right, it. and and I'll tell you what: if Ron throws another jab at Michael Roosevelt, we're gonna have another one of those on this podcast. So, I'm one of those <laughs> rare Michael Roosevelt fans. Hey, man, no no jabs against Rosie. Rosie, honest to God, was completely undervalued in those cup runs because yeah. sure he was late in his career, he was a little older, but he did the job. He got the job done, and and he was a big part of the reason why they won a Stanley Cup. How do we all yeah. feel about Michael Hanzus? I love Hanzus. Hanzus was <laughs> the same positive. way. Yeah. He came in, go. he he did his dude, job, he filled the role, and they got the, a cup out of it. The dude played with a broken wrist yep. on the stretch in 2013. As a centerman. Like, that's yeah, as, that's wild. unbelievable. So, yeah, uh, plenty of glory days talk here. Um, well, let's get to the next trade. I think you guys covered all of it. I don't have much to say. Um, Ron, you stole the words out of my mouth when you said that he's uh, uh, Cahoon is easily replaced by Kubelik or uh, Anton Whedon. Um, I feel like that'll be the natural replacement there. So, yeah, I was a little bit of a Cahoon guy. I just like this game. I thought he found the soft areas really well. But um, I was really impressed with Kubelik's game at the uh, World Championships. So um, I'm okay with it. I'm fine with it. We need to shore up the blue line. You can't bring back the same group. Expect different results. So um, on to the next trade. On draft day two, uh, John Hayden, before the uh, Blackhawks made their second-round pick, John Hayden was sent to New Jersey in exchange for forward John Quinville. Um, and, uh, you know, Quinville is related technically to uh, former coach Joel 
Um, he is a first cousin once removed, whatever the hell that means. Uh, but Quinville, 23 years old, 6'1", 195 pounds, plays up the middle. He's had limited time in the NHL, uh, 33 career NHL games over a uh, span of three years. Fun fact, he did actually make his debut in Chicago against the Blackhawks while Q was still behind the bench. So that's just an interesting little uh, fact about him. Um, he's a restricted free agent, but Bowman said he'd be uh, signed. So, guys, fire away. So first cousin once removed means a child of your parents' first cousin, I guess. That's what I'm what I'm getting here from the from the Google machine. Because um, I was I was concerned as to what a first cousin once removed means uh, when I when I saw that. So yes, uh, technically related. Um, you know, I'm gonna miss Hayden a lot because the guy knew how to throw haymakers and. Well, he's never in the game, so hockey fights. Hockey fights are cool and tough. No, I'm gonna I'm gonna miss having something to complain about with with Colleton's lineup choices here. I'm oh, sure I'll I'm sure I'll we'll find, find I will find something, <laughs> but you know I'm gonna I'm gonna miss because you know every time we complained about it, Mrs. Hayden was there to like our tweets, and I'm gonna miss that because that she that was. was that was that was great. So I w- I wish nothing but the best of luck to John Hayden. Uh, I thought I thought he was going to be one of the guys that was going to solidify himself in this lineup. We talk about having guys who are tough. Talking about having guys who go to the to the dirty areas. Hayden was that guy. Never really got the chance to do so um, because of Chris Kunitz. But um, that's done and over with now. I thought maybe this year he would have that opportunity to, but with the with the writing on the wall of him not seeing any playing time under Colleton. Uh, you kind of sense the trade was coming here. I don't think that this is going to be one of those uh, really impactful moves. I can see Quenville being one of the type of guys who ends up getting scratched a lot. Um, he he seems like one of those, uh, you know, in baseball we call them, you know, 4A guys. He's kind of like an, an AHL-NHL mixture guy here, in, in my opinion. Uh, maybe he figures something out with the Hawks, change the scenery, but... Uh, this isn't really earth-shattering, more as just a change of scenery for, for two guys who were having trouble cracking lineups, and uh, we'll see what we get out of him, but, you know, as of right now, this is, it's just kind of, is what it is type move for me. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, I, I think you kind of hit it on the head there, Tony, like, uh, I don't think it's really going to make a huge difference. Um, I was a big John Hayden fan, uh, mostly for the part where I think there were games last year where you would see Hawks players take the night off. Um, not all of them, you know, Patrick Kane's out there doing stuff every night um, for the most part. But I think, you know, you could always tell there's games that these guys just aren't going, you know what, to the wall every single, all 82 of them. And I think John Hayden was always one of those guys that when he actually got to play, was he was going hard every second he got on the ice, and I think that's kind of one of those things you appreciate. That's what I appreciate about you. Yes, I think I, <laughs> I think it's uh, I think that's something to maybe get excited for about John Hayden. Maybe he'll get more of an opportunity out there in uh, in New Jersey. Hopefully, he can crack their lineup uh, because I think when he's on the ice, you know, he's he's always going hard. I think I think the Devils fans will like him just like we did. Um, so. I'm excited for him, and we'll see what we get out of Quenville. Um, just, just saying the name feels you get that little knot in your stomach. It kind of feels wrong. I feel like Stan was just trolling us a little bit there, like, "Oh, you guys want Quenville back? Here you go." Um, so, uh, 
But yeah, like like Tony said, uh, I don't think it's really going to be that impactful of a move. It's just kind of whatever. I I didn't think any of it. We had talked about it like right before they tra- they made that trade with Hayden. Like none of us expected him to be back. The writing was on the wall. So it is what it is. You know, he was he was an RFA. Maybe you thought you were going to lose him for nothing. At least you get this Quenville fellow back in return for him. Can he grow a mustache? Ooh, that's a big question. Big question. Yeah, it runs in the family, you would think so. All right. That's all I need out of just him. A just a solid stash. stash. He, he can sit in the press box, solid stash, A-plus player for the year for the Hawks. <laughs> I love it. Uh, Rod, you got anything? Yeah, just, just a couple quick notes. I think both Pat and Tony nailed it on the head, so I don't want to elaborate too long. Um, I, it, this is fully just a, a change of scenery move for both of these guys. Quenville's a, a former first-round pick. Um, just can never crack the lineup in a, kind of finding a role with New Jersey. I think Johnny Hayden was the same way with the Hawks. You know, I, fans loved him. I think he was absolutely a fan favorite. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Um, you know, not only was he a good hockey player, he was a handsome son of a bitch. And, um, you know, so he, he became a fan favorite and he just, he couldn't tell if he was a fourth line checking winger. You couldn't tell if he was a third line, you know, kind of tweener guy. You couldn't tell if he could contribute in the top six. I, I just, I feel like he struggled to really find a role with the team and, um, not a knock on him being a good hockey player. I think he's a very good hockey player. I think it just, you know, maybe, completely you know what the guys have said a change of scenery could do both of these guys a lot of good so um i think that'll be well for him i hope nothing you know nothing but good things happen for john hayden i think he he absolutely deserves it uh he's a hard-working player and and you know he should get rewarded for that uh the only concern i have here is that the uh blackhawks team store needs a new guy to uh, model all their clothing I was just going to say that. They milk every <laughs> ounce, every picture, every photo shoot. They Literally. Have. Johnny, well, Last hey, second. when you when you look like Johnny Hayden with the hair and just the looks, I would be I would be calling him to model everything, too. You're going to sell more T-shirts that way when you got a guy like that wearing them. Yeah, well, Rodney, that was literally the only thing I had. He stole that right out of my mouth. So um, you guys nailed everything else on that. Um, uh, good luck, John Hayden. That's all I have to say. Uh, next trade uh, is a big one. Goalie Anton Forsberg and defenseman Gustav Forsling both were set to become RFAs, traded to the Carolina Hurricanes in exchange for Kelvin DeHaan and forward Alexei Sorella, um, who is the older brother of the Hawks' second fourth-round pick from this year, Antti. Um, so uh, this just happened tonight, guys, uh, probably two hours before we jumped on this call here. Uh, Dehan, a uh, probably going to step into a top four role here, I would guess, as soon as he's healthy. Uh, one thing with him is he underwent shoulder surgery in May. Uh, he was given a four to six month recovery window. So, um, if he's on the short end of that, he could be around in, you know, say, I would guess November ish. And then, if not, probably a Murphy type of uh, deal last year where it was early December. But Dehan, he's got a 4.55 million cap hit through 2022. Um, but when you're talking about guys that are worth it, and you know, talk about Mata being up there too uh, in those lower fours, um, I would say this is worth it. Um, I'll let you guys uh, take the floor. Yeah, I think this just means that there's more moves to come. I know he's not going to be on the roster uh, right away, um, just with that injury. Uh, but you gotta you gotta like this this trade a lot because. You got rid of Forsling, who was pretty much 
at this point, not really an option to run out there on defense anymore. Uh, I don't think any of us really wanted to see Forsling back out on the ice for the Hawks. Um, and then Forsberg, come on now. I mean, that that, that really never worked out. So I, I, I feel like you gave up almost nothing here um, that you're going to regret. Unless Forsling has some massive turnaround and becomes an excellent NHL defender um, that's better than whatever DeHaan can produce for the Hawks at, at this very moment. Uh, this is a very winnable trade um, for the Blackhawks here. Uh, Forsberg is what he is. He's uh, he's an AHL goalie who can step in and play backup minutes. Uh, the Hawks have options there as well, so you're not really losing anything. You're not taking any steps back here. Um, and then going and adding a guy who could play top four minutes um, on the blue line. Again, I, I kind of preface this with the Mata trade, and I know Pat kind of to kind of dug into the the concerns that I had. Um, I don't really have those kind of concerns here. Um, you know, I had I heard uh, some stuff where he was being compared to uh, a Nicholas Jalmerson type, one of the, the the those kind of shutdown defensemen who can you know take a puck, make the play, uh, to block a shot. You know, just excellent all around defender. This is what the Hawks have needed. We've complained about this nonstop over the course of the last year. You know, having another option up there and the top four that can kind of alleviate the need for Brent Seabrook and Duncan Keith to kind of carry that, you know, and, and you add a potential Connor Murphy, you've got Yoki Haru, you've got Bachwist waiting in the wings. There's there's a lot of options here now. That's why I say this signals another move or two that are going to be made. Um, but, you know, it's just a little bit unfortunate that he did have that injury. I wonder if that's why the cost was a little bit less. Um, than, than what I would have expected in this type of deal. Um, I, I love this. I think this is this is has a potential to be an A plus trade for Stan Bowman right here. Um, you know, this this totally changes the course of, of what they're doing right now as far as addressing the blue line because you now have so many options that you can you can potentially deal more defenders out of here. Um, I don't know if you guys how you feel about that rumor about Brent Seabrook. I I, I really don't think he's going anywhere. Uh, obviously they're trying to move him. Um, in my opinion, I think that, that they're, they're, they're truthfully trying to move him. I don't think they will, but now you can relegate him down to a, you know, five, six guy and not have to rely on him for, for those kind of minutes. Uh, you can also give him days off, uh, in the, in the later stretches of the season. Uh, this just, just does so many things for the, for the blue line that I really love, um, I don't know, guys. I, I really think this has a chance to be an A-plus trade. Yeah, I think this has the makings of being a little bit of payback for the Tavo-Terravinen trade, where we just sent Tavo over there for free to alleviate Bickle's contract. Now it's like they want the Han off the book so you can have him for free. Um, I love the trade. I love it a lot. Um, we see, I seen that report this morning. Uh, I think it was Jay Zawoski that they were uh, look. They were talking trying to get Dahan and I seen that and my initial thought was well Jesus you could have just had him in free agency last year but you signed Brandon Manning instead I was like you could have had him just for the price of money and then you made the trade and you basically got him just for the price of money you just didn't have him last season because Anton Forsberg is not an NHL goalie we seen that uh he kind of got his chance uh not last season, but the season before when Crawford got hurt, and he was god-awful. And then 
Uh, Gustav Forsling. Forsling was a guy when he first came up, and I want to say did he, I think he came in the league when he was really young. I thought he looked promising um, at first when he got in the NHL. I thought, God, if this guy gets you know just a little bit better and rounds out his game, he could be a pretty good defenseman. He didn't. He didn't round out his game. He didn't get better. If anything, he got a little worse. Um, I don't. <laughs> I'm. I kind of expected Forsling to walk. So at this. At, I don't think you lost anything. Forsberg was never playing goalie for this team. I don't think Forsling was coming back anyways, and Forsberg probably wasn't coming back. And if Forsling was coming back, he was going to Rockford. So at the end of the day, you got the Han for pretty much nothing, and I think he's probably going to step up, step in, and immediately be one of their best defensemen. Um, yeah, the, four, the 4.5, it's, it's not insignificant, but I, you know, it's the price of getting a good defensive defenseman. Um, it's right around the Mata. I like him a lot better than Mata. But, you know, if if you can get significant improvements from Mata and DeHaan, you're really talking about fixing your defense just in two guys. And obviously, I, Tony, you touched on it. There's There's got to be more moves to come because right now uh, you're looking at you have Ole Mata, Calvin DeHaan, Brent Seabrook, Duncan Keith, Eric Gustafson, and then Connor Murphy. That's six guys right there. I think you have to leave a spot for Yoki Haru. I don't think he can sit down in Rockford again another year. I don't think, in my opinion, I don't think he should have been Rockford last year, maybe for a stint, but I don't think he should have been down there the whole year. I liked his game quite a bit. Um, he started to regress a little bit after uh, Quenville got fired. Um, but he's got he's to be at least have a spot next year. Um, obviously, DeHaan's not going to start the season with the Hawks. Uh, he'll still be recovering from that injury. But so you're probably, I mean, nobody's taking Brent Seabrook's contract. And even if they do, he still has to agree to the con agree to the trade. That's not going to happen. Um, maybe Duncan Keith gets moved. I doubt it. Um, so you're kind of looking at, you're either trading Connor Murphy or you're trading Eric Gustafson. Uh, Gustafson probably has a little bit of value, but I think his value might be highest to the Hawks. Doesn't make that much money. He's going to put up the points. He's going to be a disaster in his own, own in his own zone, but he's going to put up some points. Um, so maybe Connor Murphy is the guy. And I kind of like Connor Murphy. I thought he, out of all the Hawks defensemen, and that's not this isn't saying much, had one of the better years out of all of them. But he might be the guy on the move because I think someone, one of those two, is probably going to have to go. You know, there's. There wouldn't really be a harm in entering the season, depending on how you go about the Dahan injury, and if there's LTIR moves um, in in play with this. And Ron, maybe you can correct me if I if I misstep on any words here. You can enter with those guys without moving anybody and waiting to see what happens when Dahan comes back. You may suffer an injury at the beginning of the year and need these guys. You don't know. I mean. If he's not back until December, you can theoretically ride what you have in these guys that you've already mentioned and then see where it goes. I've already talked about how you now have options to rest Seabrook every day. You have options to rest any of these guys, depending on injuries, keep these guys fresh going into the second half of the season. Um, you know, Obviously, if you can deal from a position of strength to improve the offense here, you do it. Um, but on the same note... While there's still moves to be made, I think that there's also the possibility that you go into this season with that defensive group, and there's nothing wrong with having seven or eight good options on defense. 
compared comparatively to having three or four good options and you know three or four really shitty options better than the fill in the blank game we were playing last year that's that's what i'm saying i mean i i don't know i don't know what stan's gonna do obviously he he now has to find room to play some of these guys but with that injury right now i think that it gives him a little bit of time um if anything to 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 find the right deal instead of rushing right now um depending on where they come in with the salary cap if we make a big splash in free agency uh for a forward um you know a lot will depend on that but uh, I still think that there's going to be more trades this offseason, whether or not it's a defenseman or a, a forward. We'll, we'll have to see what, what shakes out. But um, I, I still think that you can technically go into the season with what you have right now, and I don't think anybody's really going to complain. I don't know about you guys, but I'm, I'm not going to be complaining if those are our options. Uh, all I have to say is bravo, Stan Bowman. Holy shit i my jaw actually hit the floor when i saw this trade come through i thought it was a joke i thought we were playing ea sports nhl 19 i didn't know what was going on i said how in the hell can stan trade two pieces who as you guys already mentioned arguably were just walking out the door for nothing into a competent top four defenseman who arguably is the best if not the best defensive defenseman they've had since nicholas jalmerson was traded and you get a really nice prospect in Sorella. I don't think enough people are talking about him. I, I I got a guy, all right, watches a ton of AHL hockey and raves about Sorella and said how just dominant he was in the Calder Cup playoffs for the Checkers. So let's say this is a guy that can maybe contribute in your bottom six. At worst, he's a top guy in Rockford, and he helps them develop some success. You just got a hell of a trade, Stan. You've won four trades in a row, in my opinion. Four trades in a row. We date back all the way, way back to the Schmaltz deal and getting Stroman Perlini. All of a sudden, you know, we get Kajula, the jewel man himself, for Brandon Manning, who was at best a pylon wearing a jersey. You go out and you get a, you know, if he has a 2017-esque season, Oli Mata is a huge improvement over this defense that we had last season for a top nine forward and a draft pick who may never even see NHL action. And you literally gave away two guys that were going to be given away anyway for a top four, for, top four defenseman. Stan Bowman, who are you and would you do with the, def- the GM that I've known for the last 10 years? I, I'm speechless. I'm mind blown. I'm enamored. We not only did we get a great defensive defenseman, we also got a guy who's a cone over cone a co-owner of a brewery of Ridge he Rock is. Brewery Company. Crack him for Calvin, Calvin uh-huh. baby. Crack him for Calvin. I am so excited about this trade. I am mind blown. You know, Pat, I think you bring up a good point, and I, I really want to revisit it. A lot of people were calling for the Blackhawks to sign Calvin Nahan last year in free agency because he addressed a huge need. I think Stan learned from his mistake of not signing him last season and opting for Brandon Manning, who, as we all saw, was an absolute train wreck and now has more or less fixed his issues. I don't think four five five is unreasonable, especially when you look at what Nicholas Chalmerson right now is getting paid in Arizona. He's making five million dollars a year and he's kind of beat up and he's older than Calvin DeHaan. So I'm not mad about it. I love the trade. I think 
I think Stan has hit on two great trades for defensemen in this in this uh, you know off season. I, I think as long as Olimata is paired properly and can maybe even halfway replicate his 2017 numbers, all of a sudden now you have two true top four quality defensemen that you didn't have last season, and that's really all they needed was two top four defensemen. Now you got you know four really good young defensemen in the system. Let's say maybe only two of them pan out. All of a sudden, you have a competent top four that's going to move forward into the future. And now you add guys like Alex Vlasic, and maybe you you keep a Connor Murphy, or you trade a Connor Murphy. I think Connor Murphy gets traded just because, because of his cap hit. But now there's options. Now all of a sudden, this defense looks better on paper. And now all of a sudden... You have a team that is competitive. Sure, are there still some question marks on this roster? Absolutely. But as we've all echoed tonight, I don't. You know, none of us think that the offseason is done for the Blackhawks. There's more trades coming. There's probably some good depth, you know, kind of bargain signings coming in free agency. I think there's still a lot of moves to be made. I just think the one thing everybody has to focus on money-wise, obviously, to Brinkett and Strom are in need of new contracts next season. Outside of that, it stands world, and we're just living in it, guys. I'm I'm very impressed by this trade right now. I'm not I ready. To go, I'm not ready to go to it stands world, and we're just living in it yet. <laughs> but I yeah, I, 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 I res- have a couple. I respect your enthusiasm, Ron, but uh, I th- I still think that there's some things that need to be need to be addressed. I've I've given Stan a lot of credit for some of these moves, but at the same point in time, I I still th- until we're back in the playoffs and until we make a deep cup run. Uh, I still th- I cannot give Stan Bowman the benefit of the doubt at all until uh, he proves that he can put a Stanley Cup playoff roster together. Um, that's oh, just my take. No, sure, hundred percent. And but at least you know it, it's these kind of moves though that gives you that hope that they're actually going to get there. We're not sitting here. How pissed off? Let's let's all be honest right now. How pissed off were all of us last offseason when their big free agency offseason was Cam Ward, Brandon Manning, and Chris Kunitz? We were all livid. We were all just furious. We are like, how can you tell us that this is the pieces missing to be a, a playoff team? That was bullshit. This year, all of a sudden, now they're going out and actually getting pieces that – are meaningfully taking strides towards getting there. Sure, I agree with you 110%. There are still question marks all over this roster, but at least they're addressing needs that have been there now for really realistically about two seasons, and he's finally saying, all right, it's time to put the foot down. Let's go get some of these guys and take those meaningful steps forward toward a playoff team and ideally a Stanley Cup contender. Yeah, and you hit it on it, and you hit it on it a little bit earlier, Ron. You're talking about uh, they still do. Now you got one more year to do it, but you still you're gonna have to pay to bring it. You're gonna have to play Strom. You could start talking to them July first, right? I would be, I would be I picking so, up yeah. that, I'd be picking up that phone, and at least for to bring it, trying, trying your best, and obviously you got to hit your number. Uh, but I'd be trying right now to try and get a contract ironed out if you can. Uh, just for the sake of you don't have to worry about it. We don't have to play this game next year. Um, talking about it all year, uh, are they, is Dabrinka coming back? You never know with Stan because we thought it's, uh, the whole time with Panarin that Panarin would be a Blackhawk and all of a sudden he's traded. Um, so if they could just if they could take care of it now and then you know that number and you know what you're going to look like cap-wise in the long term, maybe you can – 
you can piece together different moves because you don't have that uncertainty of Alex to bring it looming over you. And it's probably going to depend how these guys want to play. Do they want to talk now? Do they want to do another prove? It? You know, Strom might want to do a prove it year. I think Alex Dabrinkit's probably he, he had his prove it year. It was last year. Um, so, but maybe he wants to put another another year together. But if I'm Stan, I'm at least picking up the phone and getting on the phone with their agent and trying to iron something out. Absolutely. Um, that you guys just transitioned it perfectly. Um, I was going to break after that trade. Uh, for this, but I mean, you, we're already right into it. Um, adding, subtracting via trades, free agency. Um, first, we had to just touch on the cap, so everybody knows the number. Um, originally, it was projected to be around 83 million. Uh, I think Ron had said it a little bit earlier, uh, but it was actually set at 81.5 million for the season. So um, after the trades today, I'm glad that this happened before we recorded because we got a big bump uh, in Dahan today. But uh, Hawks currently have just over 69.5 million committed right now, and uh, just under 12 million available in cap space. Um, we took care of two of those RFAs. Um, they're out the door. Um, I don't know if they're going to qualify them anyway. Um, in Gustav Forsling and uh, Anton Forsberg, um, but your unrestricted free agents um, are Kruger, Ward, Kunitz. Peter Holland, uh, Brandon Davidson, Andreas Martinson, Tyler Sakura, Andrew Campbell. Um, none of those guys are coming back. That's, I think I could just say that right now. Um, I highly doubt any of those guys come back. Um, RFAs, we had mentioned John Quinville earlier. They plan to sign him. Uh, Stan has explicitly said they plan to sign Brendan Perlini. Um, Dylan Sakura plan to sign, and you would guess that they are planning to sign David Kampf as well. And I believe they have given a qualifying offer to Victor Edgesell. Um, other than that, um, this is all via Scott Powers, by the way, of The Athletic um, for the status on these guys. Forward Luke Johnson, uh, D. Blake Hillman, forward Anthony Lewis, and forward Spencer Watson will not be receiving qualifying offers. Um, Johnson, a guy that cracked the roster to start the year last season, uh, that's honestly the only notable thing out of that group there. Um, so, I mean, w- with what we're looking at here, it's how much does Perlini get? How much does Sakura get? How much does Camp get? Um, you'd guess Quinville's probably pretty low there. Um, so, yeah, it, it's going to be very interesting to see. Um, and like Pat said, it would be nice to know, um, if you could, possibly knowing forward uh, going into the season, what it would be looking like next year, um, if you could iron out something with the Brinkett there. Um, but you never know. Well, we'll see. Uh, you know, July 1st is the big day. That's when it, everything opens up, and it usually goes batshit crazy on that first day. You guys remember that uh, Subban um, for, uh, was it Shea? Yeah, Shea Weber, the Canadians' Nashville trade. And, you know, now mm-hmm. Subban's out. Um, <laughs> he's out of Nashville now already. So, um, you know, it, it just it's just wild stuff that can happen here. Um, but uh, let's talk a little about these free agents here. Um, we're, get, we're getting towards the end of the show here. Uh, free agents that the Hawks have been uh, swirling around, um, just to, whether it be online or legitimate interest or just uh, natural fits. Um, you got Joe Pavelski, uh, Anders Lee, Artemi Panarin, uh, who said he doesn't plan on returning to Chicago. But then uh, other people have even mentioned Corey Perry. Um, any opinions on these? Um, I would, I think Pavelski may be a possibility, but um, I want to hear your guys' opinion. Yeah, I think, uh, to be completely frank, I think the only one who really makes sense given the money and the term 
is maybe Pavelski. And even then, I feel like because he has still been very good, that he's going to want a little more than the Hawks are comfortable with paying to a free agent. I mean, there was a lot of chatter that came out before the offseason really kind of ramped up, and it, it more or less was Bowman kind of confirming that more of the moves were going to be made via trade than free agency, um, which in today's day and age I think is fair because half the time you pay these free agents and the contracts just don't work out. I was looking today. I just I just happened to be you know having a conversation with somebody at work, and we were discussing you know the the Subban trade that actually that you mentioned Johnny, and how you know Nashville wanted to free all that cap space. Well, the reason they had to free it was because a Roman Yossi's in need of a new contract after this season, uh, but they're also paying Nick Bonino four point one million dollars. Let's see how that worked out for them. What is he, a fourth-line center for them? I mean, it's it's those type of moves that a lot of teams are very scared of. Now, granted, is Artemi Panarin probably going to be worth the money wherever he signs? Probably. But for what the Hawks have and what they kind of need to do going forward, it just doesn't make sense, uh, as nice as it would be to see him back in a Blackhawks uniform. Uh, Corey Perry does not make any sense at all. I hope they stay the hell away from him. I hope they treat him like the plague. Um you know, and really the only two I think that are left then that make sense are Pavelski and Lee. I think the problem with Lee is he's going to want a lot of term. And I don't think the Hawks want to commit a lot of term to any free agents right now because of looming contracts on the horizon, as we have already mentioned with Debrinkit and Strom. So really the only guy kind of of the big free agents, quote unquote, that really fits is a Joe Pavelski. And I think if they can keep the term under three years, I wouldn't be upset about it. And even then, though, I feel like he wants to go back to San Jose and wants to end his career a shark. I just that feels like kind of how this free agency cycle in terms of rumors is moving. So I wouldn't be surprised if the only moves that we see from the Hawks in free agency, if any at all, are kind of those depth moves, guys to fill in, you know, the bottom six provide good depth maybe a couple of fringe guys you know those ahl nhl type guys uh so that they have some depth moving forward but i i don't foresee them being super active in free agency i think we're more likely to see something happen with a guy like artem anisimov once july 1st comes and goes um via trade rather than we are to see some big free agency signing from the hawks yeah i'd have to agree there you know it's a weird time like you see that number like right now, they have the twelve million in cap space, but it's almost like they kind of don't have that twelve million in cap space because that number sounds like a pretty close number to what it's going to be for uh, Debrinkit and Strom. So you kind of have to hold that out a little bit. Like if you're if you're committing any money to guys, it might have to be like on a one year basis until those new contracts are going to kick in. Um, so we've seen it in the past where Stan didn't think far enough down the road about these contracts and it kind of came too quick and you lose the talent. You don't want to do that with these guys. They're young and they're really talented. You want to keep them here. So, um, I mean, like you said, Pavelski, that'd be a short-term deal, um, but it, it's going to be more than one, that's for sure. And he's, he, what, shoot, he almost scored 40 goals last year. So he's he's going to yeah. demand, he's going to demand at least a little bit of money. Um, and I don't think the Hawks, the Hawks are no longer in a, situation where guys are taking huge pay cuts to come play here they're they're not competing for the cup next year so um but i I think it's a little challenging um like you said it's just it's probably gonna be guys rounding out your roster um 
maybe even if you want maybe if they could get Dezingle on a on a team friendly contract, he's from the area. Maybe that's a guy that could round out your roster. But even then, like he's still he's gonna demand, you know, at least a little bit. Uh, because the free agent market isn't that deep this year, like someone might be willing to take a chance on him and give him a nice chunk of change. So you never know. Um, uh, like you said, I think it's going to be the trades that are s- something to come. I would think they're going to look to move Anisimov. I would, I would give Anisimov to whoever t- would just take him. That's if you want a seventh round, we'll take a seventh round pick. You just take him off our books. That's four and a half million. And then if you can now, now you're talking. If you can move that four and a half from Nisimov, maybe you can go, you can go play for a free agent. Maybe you can go get to Zingle or someone like that. Um, or maybe you could even piece that money together if you really did want Pavelski. Um, and then I would think that I would think that you're either going to move Connor Murphy or um, Eric Gustafson, and my money would be on moving Connor Murphy. So. We'll see. It's going to be an interesting time. Uh, once July 1st hits, I think all hell will break loose. You'll see all those signings coming at once on Twitter. It'll be hard to keep up with, but uh, it'll be fun. That's for sure. And uh, I certainly look forward to it. It's going to be a big week for Stan. Yeah, I I don't really have much more to comment on uh, than what you guys said. Uh, Pavelski, uh, I, I think that that one makes the most sense as well. Uh, although I would like to see Lee in a black hawk sweater. I think he would be uh, a welcome he's addition. Just a monster. Yeah, he's just a monster. <laughs> he's well, just and, a monster. You know, Johnny, I think this is something that, that I was messaging you about. It's like, wh- when's the last time we really brought in that that free agent, you know, that makes a huge impact? Um, you know, you had Panarin come in here, but, you know, I feel like this team would use that breath, breath of fresh air, so to speak, um, if Stan were to make a move like that, I mean, we've already got Pat sitting here writing the team off. They're not competing next year. Um, you know, moves like that can kind of, you know, kickstart For something like that. Well, compete, yeah, but, but they're they're not winning the cup next year. No, I don't think any of us have expectations, but I think it's also a little bit early to uh, to go start saying stuff like that in uh, in the middle of summer. You know, you never know what happens. Look what the Blues did this year. You know, it, you ride a hot goaltender into uh, into the Stanley Cup playoffs, and you never know what's going to happen. So, um, yeah, yeah, as constructed, I, I'm with you though. Uh, this is this is going to be, I think, a better year than what we had last year. Um, but it's it, this is far from a finished product. Um, yeah, yeah, I mean, as much as our Tammy Panarin would would make me happy uh, as a Hawks fan to see him back in a sweater. I, I, I understand the, the reasons why it's not going to happen. Um, and then I think that the one thing that I just really hope doesn't happen more than, than any signing is that Corey Perry isn't wearing a, a Hawks sweater um, at all in his career. Um, I hate that guy. Uh, he does not deserve to wear the Indian head at all. Uh, disrespects Marion Hosa. I think you should just go, you know, bury yourself six feet under the ground. Um, but that's, that's all I've got to say about that. I mean, please Dan, don't do that. It was, it's just, I, do. I don't think he will. I just like to ruffle some feathers here. <laughs> but, yeah, no, um... that's, that's, you know, this would be, God, if Corey Perry's wearing a Hawk sweater, I don't know. I don't even know if I could watch this team. I think, I just think that that would be so, no, he, yeah, I just, he, he won't. Honestly, such a bad really... taste in my mouth. 
Yeah, it's a really honestly interesting question, though, because, I mean, I don't, the Hawks aren't going to get him. That's that's not happening. But who actually would is my question, because he is he's injury prone. Um, he, he only played like 10 games or I think, excuse me, it was a little more than that. But um, I think it was only 10 points that he put up in that very limited amount of time because he was out for pretty much all the first half of the season. Um but like, who's even going to take that on now? Um, I mean, the, the ducks bought him out, but kind of feels like it's just like washed up at this point. Um, I, I don't know. It'll be interesting to see where he goes. Um, I'm with you. Pavelski's probably the most like, you know, best fit there. Uh, even then though, like you'd mentioned those future concerns about contract for looking down the road here. Um, that, that may not even be feasible here, but, uh, trade names I'd look out for, obviously Artem Anisimov, uh, Connor Murphy, just because of those cap hits alone. Um, I don't think Brandon Saad will be on the move, but you know, it's a 6 million cap hit. Um, I've just thrown these names out there. Eric Gustafson, you guys had already mentioned. Um, but, you know, like you said, for the contract that he's on, uh, he's probably more valuable with the Hawks than what you get in return. So it uh, be interesting to see. Um, uh, guys, we're, we're just about to wrap this up. Uh, you got any closing thoughts? I do have one that we talked about, Corey Perry. I forgot to mention Corey Perry. I, I'm with you. I, I hate Corey Perry so much. Don't make it happen. Um but if we have a washed-up guy who was once great and is completely out of his prime, someone lock Kenny Williams in a closet because he might sign him to come play for the Chicago White Sox. Um, but other than that, um, yeah, I, I, it's going to be a fun week. And this is honestly – I thought last summer was, like, the most important summer of Stan's career. Uh, apparently he got a, he got a one-year uh, buffer on that. This coming week is the most important week for Stan's career. He's got to make things happen um, because this is the time to fix it. Um, and you have a chance here. It's probably going to have to come mostly from trade. So he had a good one today. Stay hot, Stan. Yeah, I, I echo what uh, what Pat had to say. Um, you know, Stan's got to just be smart. He can't, he can't make any dumb decisions that are going to compromise this team's future. Obviously, you want to improve the team for the here and now, but – um, you know, there's that balance of also improving the team for, you know, two and three years down the road. Um, so I'm excited to see what Stan does this week. I live for this week every single year. Um, you know, it, the, between really now and, you know, not this coming Friday, but the following. So July 5th, it, this is like the two weeks in, in hockey world that I live for. I'm a numbers nerd. I love contracts coming out. Who's going where? What are all the rumors? It just it, it's constantly something to keep you going and keep an eye on. Um, I definitely agree. I think AA is no longer a member of the Chicago Blackhawks post July 1st. Uh, that is when his no movement clause uh, more or less becomes nullified. And um you know, I'm sure Pat and I are going to have an, a, a chance in, in our group chats to debate the uh, the Brandon Saad should be or shouldn't be traded ideas. Um, we both kind of looked at each other and giggled over the Skype call when Johnny brought that up. So, um, you know, we live for it. it, it it's what Four Feathers is all about. And I'm just excited to see what happens, boys. I, is uh, Pat echoing exactly what you said? Huge week for Stan Bowman. Um yeah, I, I, I want to say it again because that was a great line. Stay hot, Stan. Yeah, I don't have much else to add here, guys. Um, it's good to get back on the mic, talk hockey with all you, um, kind of staying away from more of the Hawk stuff. It's been a while since we all since we all talked. I know we had a rough end to the Stanley Cup final. Um, 
you know, it's it's never good seeing one of your better rivals win the cup. I don't even think we, we really even addressed that. Um, but uh, I'm just looking forward to uh, recapping what Stan does next. It'll be uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens. Um, we can hope for the best. I just I want to see a better product on the ice this season than we saw in the past two years. I think that's important for for not only Stan's job but the fan base at large. Um, it's it's been it's been rough and nothing hits home more than than like I said seeing your rival um, your division rival win win a cup. So um, Stan knows what's at stake. I, I don't think he's naive to that. Um, we've already seen some good moves. Uh, like you guys said, stay hot, Stan, and uh, we'll we'll see what uh, what we have to review next time. All right, so I'm not going to beat that horse there. Obviously, want all the same um, as you guys had projected. Uh, stay hot, Stan. Um, I'll I'll say that one more time, so we quadruple up on it. But I will say my closing thought here: the Blackhawks got a lot more on tap Sportsnet friendly in the Crackham department between you know a guy that owns a brewery. Um, coming in on the blue line and then only Mata. I don't know if you guys remember seeing his picture uh, after the Penguins parade passed out on his balcony jersey sprawled all over his couch. Um, definitely a Crackham guy and only Mata there too. So um, yeah, that, that is all I've got. Uh, this is going to just going to be mayhem week. That's what I like to call it. And I love it. I look for it. Um, going to be a lot of fun to watch, see what happens. So That being said, this was episode 29 of Four Feathers. We'll catch you next time. Let's go Stan and let's go Hawks. Let's go Hawks. Let's go Hawks, baby.